if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode three, season two of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. With me, as ever, is George Harker, the Leeds fan. He's doing the watch along tonight since we're recording on Tuesday and Leeds are at home to Everton. How's it going, George? Oh, the joys. Good evening. One nil down currently and our top goal scorer, Rodrigo, has just gone off with a dislocated shoulder trying to oh. wrestle the ball from Jordan Pickford. So it's going great. Yep, another one of those nights. Well, uh, plenty of time left, so um, good luck with that. Uh, you'll keep us updated throughout the show. Um, my name's Alex Gross. I'm the Spurs fan and your host here as ever. And uh, to quote Wayne Rooney in Baden Baden, the big man is back in town. Uh, <laughs> Nick Gilmer is back with us uh, after a uh, quite a week for Manchester United, your club, Nick. Yeah, what did I miss? Football's back, right? Season starts here. As you told us last time you were on, season starts now. Yeah, so uh, six points out of nowhere and uh, right back in the mix. Yeah, I have to say, warnings, uh, I am giddy. And I hope you enjoyed the uh, the little ditty at the start. That's right. Uh, Scott Parker is no longer with us. First, uh, He's won the sack race, I suppose, <laughs> is the way you put it. <laughs> it's uh, not dead. <laughs> don't think that's going to get trending. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, and George, I think you, I believe you've got some interesting facts uh, for us about uh, managers who've lost their job this early. Yeah, it's been a long time since someone was sacked in August, and the last was Kenny Dalglish at Newcastle. For anyone that remembers his little stint there in ninety eight ninety nine season, he he only started with two draws. It was a bit harsh, right? <laughs> um, but much like Parker's sacking, I think it's more to. There's more to it than a 9-0 shellacking. I think there's he's not been happy bunny transfer-wise. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when Nick said earlier that there's more to it because I thought 9-0 ought to be enough. <laughs> well, not for Hasenhall. He's done it twice. <laughs> yeah, well, he's still there, yeah. And uh, as we speak, can you confirm um, the Saints are beating Chelsea? Oh, indeed, 2-1 up at half-time. That's a bit of a shock on the cards there. And Fulham are beating Brighton, which is an even bigger shock given Brighton's form. Yeah, Fulham beating Brighton. Who scored the goal in that one? Do we know? It must be Mitrovic. It is, yeah. The man who can walk on water. Yeah, we're all hoping Mitrovic are fantasy football players. So, um, 9-0 match of the day two uh, presented us with a nice montage of the five times that nine goals have been scored. Obviously, there have been four nine nils, but they were kind enough to include Tottenham Wigan, which was 9-1. There's the the original, Nick, uh, Man United Ipswich, 1995. Memories of that, yeah. We all talked about that in the playground back then. I remember Um, I was on on holiday in Centre Park. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow got wind of it. Yeah, I think it was Easter, wasn't it? It must have been. I can't. Uh, maybe George knows our stato, but uh, no, I can't tell you that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> there are such things in my memory. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the two uh, 
The two Southampton drubbings, obviously Man United were were one of them, Leicester the other. I think that one stands out for it being at the for it being an away nine nil win, doesn't it? Um, I think a couple of shows ago, George, you said that uh, all three teams that have come up look good and you're sort of thinking it could be a very competitive league. And I didn't get time to say at that time that specifically from a Spurs point of view, I I was really pleased with the identity of the three promoted teams because they all play on the front foot and they're all the kind of opponents that we tend to take points off more on our win against a uh, promoted team on Sunday later. But uh Bournemouth, soft touch under Parker. That's been cruelly exposed at Anfield, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, three out of their four opening games were resurgent Arsenal. They've played Liverpool and they've played Man City out of <laughs> three yeah. of their four games. I, don't, I, I think it's very hard to, to judge them yet. But um, the other two... Uh, Fulham are doing well, Fulham yeah. Are doing yeah. brilliantly again tonight. Nottingham Forest, I mean... <laughs> It depends what what team they put out. There must be about three teams they they can possibly put out. But um, yeah, the other signs are good with them as well. They've got that bounce from the playoff playoff win. But um, Bournemouth, like we say, I think there's more to it than the football. I think we'll, we'll judge them when they've played lesser sides. Recently. Go on then. So for for our listeners who are not aware, what is what is more to it? What is it beyond the nine nil? What's happened there, Nick? Well, I think he's been wanging on about needing transfers in, hasn't he? I think the um, the owners have taken. <laughs> take an exception and he's out on his ass. right so do you think there was a bust up basically yeah I just think that they don't like being exposed in public I think one of the they, they actually made a statement didn't they saying yeah unification and um the statement like, seemed harmony. to imply there was a lack of respect yeah and I think they also didn't want it all to be pinned on the 9-0 um because mm. it makes them look like trigger happy owners so yeah I think Scott's rapping mouth has gotten himself into trouble yeah, but we'll always have that cardigan. Uh, what was the official name for that? The cardigan, I don't know, but the official price was over thirteen hundred pounds, um, <laughs> and uh, and he was the only manager wearing it on the thirty-five degree day we had the other week. We're so... no longer just a football podcast. <laughs> yeah, fashion, fashion advice available <laughs> at all good retailers. I thought it was written in the stars when I saw um, Klopp giving giving him a patronising pat on the head. I thought that was it for him. He was he lost all his credibility then. But and um... and walking. To the away end with his hands in the air, like sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, you know, like he was um yeah. a dead man walking. Yeah. The old refunding train fares cliche, yeah. Yeah. That's what Wigan did when they lost nine one at the lane, yeah. So a uh, quick quiz question for you both. Um, who was the two thousand eleven football writers player of the year? Was it Scott uh, Parker? <laughs> Nick? Two thousand eleven. I don't know, Aguero. Yeah, George has got it. Scott Parker playing for West Ham. West Ham, yeah. Not one we oh, tend to yeah. remember. That was a weird one. Like, Giggs got one, getting one right at the end of his career. Can we say his name? Oh, I don't know. We'll speak to the lawyers. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Fulham have gone two up. I've just seen that. So, yeah. So, Brighton, clearly a soft touch, George. Yeah. <laughs> they had their we'll, final on Saturday, clearly. Yeah, we'll get to your experience on the South Coast later. But uh, let's get stuck into Man United, Nick. You've been away for a while. You dodged the uh, Monday Night Football watch-along of your presumed 5-0 defeat to Liverpool. But it, it turned out somewhat different, didn't it, uh, to last season when we started this whole show? I can't believe it. I have to say, I, would, I think I've never went... I've never gone into a match with as low a confidence as a United fan. We were talking on the pod I was on last about the score that Liverpool could rack up. Yeah. They ended up doing it this weekend. But um, 
I didn't expect United to even be capable of that performance, let alone the result. I wasn't able to watch actually because you know I was traveling, but um, I was following giddily on my phone. I assumed my BBC notifications were playing up. Yeah, George thought uh, it was all playing tricks on him, didn't it? When they beat Chelsea, I don't um, think anyone saw that coming. I think it's a uh, it, it it was a massively pr- pleasant surprise, and it's the big calls that Ten Hag seemed to have got got correct, dropping Ronaldo being the biggest one. Yeah. Well, I was about to ask you, uh, where did it come from then? And uh, whom do you credit with this? Is it the manager or the, the players as a group? Or where did this performance come from? I think that's why everyone's scratching their heads. It's got You've got to give it to the manager because United's record in the big games last year under a couple of different managers was so poor that it's not the players. You know, He hasn't brought in a, a statement signing up to this point who was on the pitch and who was capable of turning that dressing room around. So the manager's made a couple of changes. He's essentially played a winger up front. And he's exposed a pretty shoddy Liverpool defence, I think. I think it, Trent gets exposed every time he's having to defend. He's brilliant going forward. Um, and Virgil van Dijk is having one of those moments in his career that a lot of centre, central defenders go through. Yeah, Trent is a real uh, player of the fantasy football age, isn't he? Because he gets so many points as he did uh, against Bournemouth this weekend. But uh, under closer scrutiny, is, is he actually that good in his position? Well... Gareth Southgate is uh, a manager who's not got a lot wrong, and yeah. he he doesn't really fancy him. But yeah, his, you're right. His stats, his numbers, his moneyball uh, stats are all incredible. But, well, Southgate's um, quite cautious, so that makes sense, isn't it? That he doesn't yeah. choose somebody as cavalier as Trent. Yeah. Do, what do you think Liverpool did wrong? I think Liverpool and actually City and actually most of the elite teams always take a couple of weeks to get up to the high standards that they set themselves. Yeah. It's almost like a a long distance runner going through their warm ups before they pull away from the rest. So I think United were really lucky to get Liverpool when they got them. Um, and I think you can see that from some of City's performances, if not results, up to this point. And it's happened in previous seasons. So I think there was an element of luck when we pit them. And um, I think also, just given such a runabout by Brentford, yeah. there's an element of professional pride. Um, I, you know, United fans would have taken that performance, even if they'd lost 3 0. Yeah. But to find the, the result follow the performance is really pleasing. And what do you want to add about uh, Southampton away this weekend then? Well, that very quickly became the biggest era, match of the Ten Hag era. Can I call it an era? Four <laughs> games in. Yeah. Um, because to follow that with a result in any way, um, I think was essential to set the mood for the rest of the season. To go yeah. from that into a disappointing you know, score draw or to lose to lose the match, I think would have really let the air out of his balloon again. And it would have been a struggle then to sort of get them up for a bit of consistency. But United now need to string three or four games together where they get maximum points, pull themselves up to the right end of the table, see how they're set in a couple of months' time. But I, I think it was it was win at all costs against Southampton. They managed to do it. And I think this time last year, they would have they would have conceded that equaliser. I think they yeah. would have been one of all. Quite a good time to play Leicester away this midweek. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a shame that... Um, Fafana will be gone. It seems that that's causing them a lot of problems. The um the uncertainty and the sort of dragging of that. I think Leicester should have probably been quicker to get them out the door. But yeah, they are well, they're rooted to the bottom of the table now, aren't they? If yeah. um if ever there was a time to play them, it looks like Vardy's legs are going now, and he's obviously had his head elsewhere. Um, yeah, there's a couple of players there who probably fancied a move this summer and haven't got it. <laughs> Sorry, by that do you mean court? With his missus. Yeah, yeah, I see. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. And once again, I'm not going to involve the lawyers, but <laughs> I think um, I think he's probably now realising he's going to end up having to play a lot longer into his 30s than he had expected to. 
Which the is Wagatha why... Christie case. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I've yeah. just caught up. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's been landed with a big bill, hasn't he? And that's yeah. why um, there was a moment this summer where there were rumours that United were in for him, and it would have been absolutely classic. Give a mid 30s striker a couple of years, very well paid contracts. That's exactly what he's looking for, I think. And he subsequently signed his new contract. Apropos of nothing, what happened to Igalo? I would like to say that he is currently plying his trade still in China, but I do not know. <laughs> okay. So he never stayed long, did he? No, he was there for a good time, not a long time. Okay. Okay, welcome back to part two. And uh, we're recording on Tuesday because of the bank holiday. George is doing our watch along at Elland Road, sadly for him and and for us, I suppose. Everton are winning uh, 1-0. Southampton are beating Chelsea 2-1, which brings a smile to our faces. And on Thursday, there's the transfer window shutting so we're going to cross live now to our transfer center our uh, very versatile and uh, multi-skilled stato george harker i want you to tell us and the listener what we might have missed in this uh, summer of um, transfers uh, i try not to follow this stuff uh, because it does my head in i just uh, like to celebrate or acclaim the signings when they put the shirt on and uh, appear on the field so can you tell us what the most significant developments have been or, or anything, uh, any other little odd little tidbits that we might have missed from the summer's window? Gladly, rather this than watch this game anyway. Um, <laughs> well, it's been it's been a record-breaking summer in terms of spend. The uh, cost of living crisis has not touched the Premier League, it would seem. It's approaching £2 billion for the summer, which is outrageous. And I will give you till the end of this section to answer a quick quiz question on which Premier League club has spent nothing yet. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> With only two days to go. It's not it, us. It's, no. It's not any not. of us. <laughs> I'd actually, obviously, the proof's in the, in the pudding, as they say, but I would suggest Tottenham have potentially had the strongest summer. Made some yeah, we're, we're happier signings. with it than usual, I can tell you that. Not for the first time. Manchester United have outspent everyone. Um, yeah, and still complaining. The, still complaining. The Glazers don't invest in the club, etc. We'll give Nick so a on. right to reply on that shortly. Yeah, <laughs> it's more the stadium is more important, according to Gary Neville. Anyway, obviously the biggest movers have been Nottingham Forest, who've bought yeah. an entire new squad with very little outgoings. Which is, I'd love to know how they're going to manage that for the rest of the season. Uh, Newcastle have started spending their oil billions. Obviously, there is such a thing as FFP, apparently. Although I think a lot of clubs <laughs> either don't believe in it or get around it somehow. But Newcastle have obviously splashed out on Alexander Isaac, who's been yeah. very well thought of for a, for a number of years I think I'm sure Nick I'm sure you've been linked with him in the past as a as a future Ibrahimovic yeah literally everyone on the merry-go-round gets linked with United I've watched him at a couple of tournaments yeah right so Nick uh, what's your view on uh, Manchester United signings and and the window in general well I mean money in football lost all sense of value a long time ago so I think it's a bit rich having a go at United for that money they spend when they earn it oh and... we're not we're not having a go oh. uh, okay we're just saying uh, how are you still complaining I'm not complaining about the money that's spent. <laughs> I am complaining about the way it's spent. And I think this is a great case in point. They've just bought, bought a right winger that they pursued all summer, um, having spent a year and a half pursuing Jaden Sancho a year before. So, And for the benefit of the listener, that new signing is? Anthony, the Brazilian, who's coming from the Dutch league. And right. look, 
looks very exciting in all the YouTube reels I've seen, but I've never actually seen play. I think um, he's probably the one position we're pretty well stocked for. And Yeah, YouTube doesn't make anyone look shit, do they? No, <laughs> very um, true. But I would say you've strengthened the positions you needed to, though, right? Yeah, I think um, Casemiro is quite exciting because I think he, he fills a hole immediately um, that United have had. Um, although I don't know what we've spent all summer doing with Frankie de Jong. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's just clear to anyone that United's money is spent by amateurs and um, we spend all summer arguing over millions of pounds when United should have deep enough pockets to pay the price that, pay, that selling clubs are valuing them at. Um, it's unbecoming and it's tawdry. It is unbecoming, yeah. Do you remember in the in the 90s when uh, Barcelona made all those Dutch signings under um, under Rijkaard, Van Gaal and all these other post-Cruyff Dutch managers and they were, du- they were dubbed Barca Jacks? What are we going to call this Dutch Man United from now on? Well, I mean, get a name quick because once Ten Hag's <laughs> out, out on his arse having failed to finish fourth this year, there'll be another lurch towards the direction of a new manager, whoever that might be. Maybe it'll be Pochettino's. Dutch inheritance that he puts on the market very quickly and that is my complaint with United's transfer strategy yeah next point I think we what what George and I were wondering and and a lot of other people in this country I dare say is uh why United do some finger pointing at the money in the game and you know the 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 money in uh Man City's coffers and I don't know if United in Newcastle uh, when when you're spending so much of it I'm not sure you'd find many people associated with United saying that other people are spending too much. I think, as I said, money's lost too much value. United have paid the United tax for literally decades. So high prices is sort of par for the course at the top of the sport. But I think it's... United's complaint mainly is the way that we spend our own money. And it's not like it's an owner making bad decisions with their money. It's a bunch of clowns making bad choices with money that doesn't belong to them. And George, you're happy with all your Bundesliga recruits? (laughs) <laughs> the Red Bull stable. Yes. Yeah, so far so good. Aronson looks a very, very good astute yeah. signing. We talked about him last week as box to box midfielder. And I mean, from a business point of view, are we are a negative net spend. You know, we've we've spent yeah. the money from <laughs> I say that we haven't actually been paid for Rafinha yet. So that's <laughs> Technically, Pro- not true. possibly never will. Yeah, <laughs> he might come back next week. Let's see. Is that a check from um, La Porta? <laughs> so we, we, yeah, we've we've gone for quantity over, you know, over quality. On one player. Quantity <laughs> over quantity. Well, my, ne- <laughs> my next point is going to be if you look at someone like West Ham, they've they've only spent all their money, it would seem, on one player in Paqueta from yeah. from Paqueta. Sorry, apologies. Whereas we've we've investing in younger players and you know not as familiar players if you like with with all that money we got from from Rafinha and and Phillips but yeah happy well don't ask me now because they're losing so they're all rubbish as far as I'm concerned um <laughs> but you've had a good start and you're on 10 points seven sorry uh, seven. You, oh it might be 10 by the end of the night you know who knows yeah we'll see. um I would expect a mental last couple of days purely because I still feel as squads that have done next to nothing. Nick is absolutely bang on with the uh, quiz question by the way. It's Leicester who've spent nothing and if they right. are about to bank what is it, 80 million for Fafana yeah. after one good season in the Premier League they're going Brendan Rodgers at the sales on Thursday as, as they take on Man United <laughs> on Thursday evening. Exactly. Um, yeah. And Liverpool, you know, Liverpool are right near the bottom half in terms of spend. You'd think they'd mm. want to kick on and they seem desperately short of a midfielder, very odd midfields. That, I know they just won 9-0, but they just seem a bit of a midfielder light. So um, expecting a mental last couple of days. In terms of oddest signing, and I'm sure Alex, this will have slipped under your radar, that <laughs> Willian 
has returned yeah to fulham yeah i didn't know that back in london and he's just doing the rounds you're next i think i thought he'd gone to a big homecoming at corinthians and that was it that was the end of his career didn't even know that i'll hold my Uh, hands up right okay he fell out of them didn't he and they they ripped up his contract um last time i saw him was failing at arsenal i assumed he might fail as medical i i I picture him coming back and he's like 16 stone but um Yeah, a bit of an odd one. So yeah, we'll see last couple of days. But like I said before, I think the proof will be in in results. But I do think Tottenham had a very good window. Arsenal that they've had a very good window. We talked last weekend about Jesus. Seems like the most sensible signing of any. Yes, I'm afraid so. Yeah, yeah. And and Manchester United. Let's see those those positions they need to strengthen they have done so um we will see yeah we agreed last week uh, that you can't deny casemiro whatever fiscal issues you might have with that deal uh, you can't deny its footballing merits given what he's achieved yeah it's going to be really exciting as a united fan to watch how we ruin yet another amazing player Um, speaking of uh, Spurs with the big news today was the um, permanent signing the uh, sealing of uh, Romero's contract wasn't it George Um, the strange deal that he was signed on um, Atalanta sort of invoked a buyback clause with Juventus to get him back Uh, they triggered that clause that they had only to sell him to us at a massive or to loan him to us at a massive profit that same day with a uh, an obligatory purchase clause 12 months down the line. That's how I understand it. And that's finally been made permanent. What I do know is uh, I love the guy. So do many other people who sit and stand around me um, behind the goal there, watching him uh, every week, because he does remind us all of Ledley King. He just exudes that calmness. And possibly he has even more of a hard edge, a hard South American inner city edge to him than Ledley ever had, who knows. But certainly fantastic signing. And I credit these uh him, Bentancur, Kulusevsky, they can all be credited to Paratici, who's been a, a great appointment at Director of Football, where we've had a lot of failures. You remember like Frank Arneson, who was then poached by Chelsea, and umpteen other people who've been in that position over the last twenty years or so. It's never quite worked and they've signed a lot of duds. But this guy has just absolutely nailed it with three or four signings now, and it's uh, very encouraging. I hope that he doesn't get poached by God forbid someone like Man United, Nick. I think uh, you could very much do with someone like that. Yeah, I think um, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be leaving Spurs for United in a hurry right now. No, thank you. You said that, not me. But yes, <laughs> yeah. So on Sunday uh, we played newly promoted Forest with uh, how many new players do they have, George? How many have they signed? <laughs> They've actually signed nearly thirty players, but f- first team players you would consider they're up to right. nineteen. They're behaving um, like an Italian club, aren't they? Sort of or, with, with these a, weird or, deals all summer. And yeah, sort of what have they done with ownerships and sharing? And yeah, um, what have they done with all the existing players who got them up? Are they all just loitering around in the training ground? I mean, the low windows open for a bit longer, so I assume yeah. they're all just going to get booted out to the lower leagues. <laughs> so, does either of you have the minerals, so to speak, to uh, comment on the probity or lack thereof of uh, Forest owner Evangelos Marinakis? I think I've involved the lawyers enough this week. <laughs> You're free to just say no. <laughs> he, ha- he hasn't got a uh, scandals or corruption section in his Wikipedia page, so I, I guess. Okay, that's uh, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Greek a Greek media mogul ship owner doesn't sound great, but I can't cast more aspersions without sort of being quite xenophobic. So won't say more. What I would ask is: is he the same one, uh, the same Greek club owner that was involved in an incident fairly recently because he was wielded a gun on the field? Do we know yeah. whether that was the same man? <laughs> I think so, but this could be deleted because he he also owns he also owns Olympiakos. So I think it, I think it was him. 
I think it was, yeah. So, and that's um, obviously, to answer Nick's question from before, that's where all the players will end up that they yeah. don't want. <laughs> Not true. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to libel him, but uh, yeah, his Wikipedia does have alleged drug trafficking. Yeah. Let's draw a line under it there. But yeah, as to our game at the city ground, do you know, like XG is one thing uh, which puts a lot of people off because they don't want that sort of stat-heavy approach. Um, it's all a bit shady. But have you have you seen those um, those graphs, essentially sort of line graphs, where along the x-axis either side of it you have two the the two teams, the home side at the top, the away side at the bottom, and then you see their attacking threat. Have you seen those in yeah. the paper? Yeah. So R one uh, for that for most of. Conte's games has been um, just the opposition predominantly dominating that graph. And, uh, and so it was on Sunday. We had this fairly handsome 2-0 win, two goals from Kane, and it all looks good, and, and we're up there with 10 points and everything. But when you look at that, we had hardly any attacking threat, certainly in that first half where where we took an early lead through that counter-attack. Brilliant goal uh, set up with a Kulisevsky assist and a great finish from Kane. That didn't even register if, if you if you see it as a sort of Richter scale of attacking intent that barely even registered and we and until the last ten or fifteen minutes there was nothing from us so you know I'm not going to grumble this week because it was a good two nil away win at a place that was really bouncing as a great atmosphere there um, they were back in the league after so long and everything and it was prime time on the telly and everything but yeah I'm not going to complain I'm just going to make the point that it isn't easy to watch. Uh, and it remains so. And you have to go into it with the understanding that your team will be on the back foot. I do think that these away games suit Conte Ball much more because there's more of an excuse for playing like that. But the impatience at home in front of 60 plus thousand at White Hart Lane is going to grow and grow with every league game that we approach in this way. And uh, every week I'm probably going to come on here and complain that it's a bit dull even if we keep getting the results I don't know as I've said last week with George you pay a lot of money to watch this team uh London prices and all that not quite as much as the Gooners but uh, a lot not as much as Fulham I should say <laughs> also with their 100 pound tickets in their ludicrous newsstand um but yeah you you expect to see more against smaller teams of the league Wolves Forest these teams that we played recently than just sitting back and waiting uh, for an opportunity to kill them, as Conte says. I think Spurs fans are expecting too much. I think Conte, yeah. won, he's won the league everywhere he's been I accept that. five or six years. And I think with if he gets your defence sorted and it looked good against Forest. Yeah, we looked defensively very good, yeah. And this is another reason for the benefit of Romero as well. He wasn't even playing, but he's such yeah. a wonderful player, yeah. With Kane and Son, now Kulosevsky, you're going to win most games if he if you defend well. And I think Spurs fans will, will be forgiving of the odd boring display if you're in a title yeah. fight come April. You should come along with me because as it unfolds, they're not forgiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, last time I, I came along... At the final is... whistle, they are. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll take that as an invite and I'll come to the trophy parade at the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> what, for fourth? <laughs> Okay, welcome back to Back 3, and we have lots of excitement in the pod uh, as we record, because George, you're doing our watch-along at Elland Road, and uh, it's bouncing, isn't it? It is, it is. We have, we're in 56 minutes, and well, I say I haven't been out of their half, they hadn't in the first half and then scored straight away, so I won't, I'll be careful what I say, but um, we have been peppering their goal, and we've finally made a breakthrough, it's 1-1. Uh, Luis Sinistera has just scored from about 20-odd yards. 
Is there a nice chorus of stop crying, Frank Lampard? Um, I've got it on mute. I'm a professional. I'm focusing <laughs> okay. on the podcast. <laughs> but I, I trust there is. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all imagine it now. He's the uh, recruit from the Eredivisie that United should have signed. Well, time will tell, but yeah, <laughs> we're a third, of the, third of the price. So that's Any comment, Nick? We can't buy everyone. <laughs> <laughs> You'll try. And Southampton are still beating Chelsea at uh, St Mary's with 15 minutes to go, so that looks good. We are going to talk now about Leeds at the weekend, where they made the long journey down to the south coast to play Graham Potter's impressive Brighton, and just as he did against your Manchester United, Nick, my namesake Pascal Gross upended Leeds with a fabulous goal, and it was the first defeat of the season for Jesse Marsh's men, but you're not too downbeat. Uh, Try to ignore what's unfolding right now, George, and (laughs) just tell me how you felt at the weekend. It's a very difficult game, isn't it, Brighton away? Uh, Yeah. Brighton at all at the moment, I think, you know, Europe could be on the horizon for them. They're an incredibly well-drilled, organised team with their unfashionable Englishman Graham Potter in charge. Yeah, I, I really genuinely wasn't expecting much. I know we had our, our day in the sun, our 3-0 victory against Chelsea the weekend before. Fabulous. Um, and you tend to find with the results like that, you have a bit of a come down straight after and and, and so it came to pass. Brighton, actually, it, it was a 1-0 hammering, um, if there's such a phrase. They uh, We were very lucky to go in at half-time at 0-0. I think their XG was, was nearly 3, I think. Wow. To say they only won one nil, they they really did dominate the entire game, and yeah, it's you know it, they are actually considered our bogey team, which is a bit of a weird one, but we we never ever beat Brighton. I think it's two wins in the last eighteen because we we shared a division, obviously, when we were down in the championship yep. for, for a few years, and we never ever beat Brighton. To be honest, that's home so, or away. Yes, yeah, yep. we're very very bad against them. So I know we got today's game on as well. It, it's just withdrawing. Away at Southampton, we should have won. And we lose to Brighton. If we lose tonight as well, it suddenly starts to look like quite an average start to the season. Yeah, it was starting to feel like a great start. So, but it's very, very early days, isn't it? I, I'm very impressed with Brighton. I think they're a they're a fabulous model to to aspire to. The Leicester model used to be the one, but they like they're really in not a very good place. But Brighton have taken it to another level, haven't they? They they invest so soundly in lower league talent, in South American talent, and then I mean, sixty million for. Curicella, I mean, crikey, I mean, Cucurella. yeah, again, <laughs> linguistics. I'll I'll scrub up for next weekend. I promise. Um, yeah, they're very organised. They're, they're well-run club. You know, they they built the stadium when they were still in the championship. They they aspire for Premier League football. This must be their sixth or seventh season, I believe. Uh, and like I said, they could be talking about Europe soon. I think they're um, very difficult team to play against. They've got three really good results now they've taken points off you know some big big teams so yeah it's 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 fine but i'll, I'll only say that if uh, we get some points tonight and next time we speak you'll have been at brentford also at the weekend what do you think back, about that assignment the, it'll be a lot less tense than the last time we were there yeah yeah last difficult. day of the season uh, just to remind the <laughs> listener that's where leeds stayed up what was it six minutes for yeah, you to get that? Um, yeah six well 16 minutes where one goal four different teams would have impacted what seat, what division we were in the next season because the Burnley game was obviously going at the same time. Difficult to know with Brentford. I think we're probably at a similar level as, as Brentford and, and Everton too. You know, these are the kind of teams if you want to progress at the league, these are the games you have to win really. You know, you'll always get yeah. we'll be sure we'll get our customary Man United battering in a in two or three weeks <laughs> and their season will start. So yeah, these are the games you need to try and get some some points from um, at the Lego Stadium, as we've affectionately dubbed it. <laughs> yeah, the Brentford Community Stadium with yeah, its multi-coloured like seats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> looks like a child designed it. Yeah, 
Okay, so Brentford themselves are currently drawing at uh, Crystal Palace, from what I can see. Yeah, Palace, of course, had those two set pieces at uh, Man City at the weekend to go 2-0 up, and you thought they would do it again for a third time, I think, in recent years, winning at uh, Man City. But then Haaland, uh, the absolute machine, came back. Yeah, just what can, what more can be said about him? I mean, anybody who's watched him in Champions League and Bundesliga knows that he essentially can't be stopped. If he stays fit, he's yeah. going to break goal scoring records, All I think. All the records, yeah. He's obviously a fabulous finisher and there's no club in the world that he can get better service from, you know. Yeah. I know assists are only a thing because of fantasy football. But it's not just the finishing. He's he's the, I think, in terms of the combination of power, physical power and pace, I've not seen anybody quite at that level since uh, Ronaldo, as in Brazilian Mm. Ronaldo Phenomenal, before before his terrible knee injuries. I I can't remember anybody else who's combined that kind of technical ability and the physical prowess, strength, with lightning pace in those, uh, what is it now, 20, 25 years. Yeah, absolutely frightening. Uh, Forest go to Man City tomorrow. So <laughs> interesting to see uh, how many. 9 0 and sacked. <laughs> also, from a fantasy football perspective, it's interesting just when is Pep going to give him a rest? Nobody knows. You know, when is he going to. He doesn't look like the sort of player he needs a rest. Exactly, he doesn't, does he? So... He's never really carried it. Well, you hope he stays fit because I think he will yeah. break. He, he could break all the records. It's a shame he doesn't play for. A... He'll break all of Harry Kane's records. Yeah, <laughs> but he doesn't play for an international heavy heavyweight. Yeah, should uh, do. that's true. Yeah. He should do. He's born in Leeds. <laughs> yeah, could play for England. He should play for England. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's go now to last week's various draws. So let's start with the uh, with the smaller fry of the 2022-23 League Cup, Carabao Cup, which is a very, very strange schedule this year because of the World Cup. We've just got one. The second round has just been played with all the teams in the Premier League, save the seven that are involved in Europe. And then the third round, which would usually be coming up quite soon, is uh, this year being played at the start of November, the penultimate game before the World Cup. And then you've got a fifth round just before Christmas. It's all very, very strange. But basically, Fulham were the only Premier League team to be eliminated thus far in the second round. They lost at Crawley. That means there are 19 Premier League teams in round three. And obviously many of them are Premier League versus Premier League. But you've got some interesting ones such as West Ham at home to Blackburn. Two of the show's good friends, Will Swan or Paul Caputo. Regular listeners will have heard that's them facing up against each other. We're away at Forest, the same game that we've just had. Man United have got Villa. You seem to get that every time. We'll talk about that shortly, Nick. Leeds are away at Wolves. We've talked about how boring walls are, boring. so not very inspiring. And uh, yeah, other than that, no, not much of great interest. Obviously, Manchester City drew Chelsea, but who knows what sort of teams they'll be fielding just before the World Cup um, in the middle of league and Champions League campaigns. Very, very hard to predict with their massive squads as well. But yeah, speaking about Villa, Nick, you you always draw them in the cup. Bit of a weird one with what's happening to Steven Gerrard, isn't it? Yeah. So much fanfare when he first took over and, and the wind's gone out of his sails. Yeah, on paper, a uh, entirely uninspiring League Cup draw. But you can see the argument for seeding it so that the essentially the second string Premier League teams get a big day against the lower league team. But yeah, Villa on paper is pretty uninspiring with an added element of interest just provided by how poorly Steven Gerrard is doing. And obviously the, the memes doing the rounds on social are comparing uh, Gerrard's performance unfavourably with Gary Neville's performance as manager of Valencia. I think his record is now poorer. <laughs> 
Wow, which, I haven't seen that. That's yeah, great. and I think as George was saying a bit earlier, that that straddles two seasons. So at the moment he's hiding in plain sight. Yeah, but I think if he's in a relegation battle, it'll be a fixture that he doesn't really want. United with their sort of bloated squad of overpaid fringe players, it'll be it'll be exciting to see Phil Jones get a run out and the new second choice keeper we've just pinched from Newcastle, uh, Martin Dubravka. Oh yeah, another uh, one under my radar. You signed no, him, have you? As of today, I think. Um, George, why didn't you tell us that in the transfer centre? Did that did that not make your edit? I, I think we talk enough about my United. I was trying to <laughs> use it a little bit. <laughs> I think uh, it will be interesting to see as the pressure goes up on Stephen Gerrard because he's obviously a really new manager and he's only had good times in Scotland and he did do extraordinarily well to displace Celtic. Yeah. But he was always going to finish in the top two and now he's in a proper battle. This is alien to his whole career. Like he, he's never done this as a player and um, he's certainly never had a, a struggle as a manager so it'll be interesting to see it'll be the making of him as a manager I think I think everyone wants to see him do well and he seems like a proper decent football guy but there's obviously a lot of United fans who will revel in this So what do we think? Do we think that he was just a sort of a, a great motivator who had a good bounce at the beginning because of the, the, the personality that walks through the door and that's why he did well early on but actually now he's been tactically found out do we do we think that or well, I think I mean he, in terms of tactics the only thing I noticed was his almost ludicrously gung-ho approach with his fullbacks starting on the halfway line even though he's playing in a back four he, play, he plays a back four as if he's playing as if, as if he's playing with a back three with his fullbacks up as high as Conte's wingbacks, almost. Well, I, I that, I've, not, I've not watched Villa very much, but uh, do you think? Do you think that it's, he's relying too much on personality? I think he's obviously flexed his contact book and allowed Villa to punch above their weight when they were spending the Grealish money. So Coutinho, Coutinho, be, that was he, a that was a link, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I think the fact that he can't really get a tune out of Coutinho now since his debut goal inevitably against United. Um, I think <laughs> the question of whether he can motivate a, a, an elite player to play at the level that Villa are operating at is a really big challenge and. And I think he's, you know, he, I think he brought really well on paper. I think Luca Dean is an amazing left yeah. back, and and he's got a few players there who will probably want to use Villa to go on either back to elite clubs or um or onto elite clubs for the first time. Yeah, bit like Bournemouth. There's a bit more to it. I was reading today that he lost his trust in number two after a, a fallout with John McGinn. I believe. Like Gary McAllister. No, a guy called Beal, I think Michael Beal, I think his name is, but he he is evidently the, the brains when it comes to tactics. And they had a fallout with Mings as well, because Mings has been dropped, which yeah. the Yogi Low to Stevie G's Jurgen Klinsmann. Yes, indeed. Yes. But yeah, Mings was dropped, not for his football talent, amazingly. Because <laughs> they've fallen out. So there's I think there's quite a lot going wrong in the background as well. And they've had a bit of a slow summer themselves. So it, my money was on him to be the first one to face the chop, actually. But obviously, Scotty Parker's uh, put paid to that. But yeah, rumblings at Villa Park, for sure. So back to Manchester United and the draw for the Europa League. Uh, Real Sociedad. A nice trip, if nothing else. And, of course, the David Moyes connection. Sheriff, we mustn't forget that they... Conquerors of Real Madrid. Yeah, they sprung that surprise on Real Madrid. So that might not be as easy as it seems on paper. And uh, Ammonia Nicosia, you'd have to hope, will be as easy as it seems on paper. Essentially a pleasant group. 
Yeah, I think um, I think Mrs. Gilman might get a trip out to San Sebastian in November, which <laughs> uh, which will be a nice a nice way to spend uh, some autumnal nights. But I uh, I'd expect even United's second string to get through. I think the Europa League after the first fortnight of the season looked like United's best way back to the top table. Yeah. It might might end up being that a long a long run in the Europa League actually ends up costing United points. But um, they don't want to be there unless they get into the last the semi finals. So it's sort of a purgatory up to that point. And certainly one of the uh, one of the if not the biggest profile team in that competition, aren't they? So yeah, I think to, until to go far, obviously Roma in it to Arsenal, of course. But uh, yeah, they'll go yeah. far. Yeah, and we'd expect to see some big teams drop out from the Champions League into it as well later in the season. Europa Conference League, West Ham got uh, a side I've never heard of before from Romania called FCSB. It sounds like the Secret Service or something, but I hope they negotiate that. All right. Back to Belgium after last uh, year's exploits in, um, gosh, where was it? I don't even remember where I went. Um, Ghent. Ghent, yes, yeah. Was it Ghent or Genk? I can never remember. Oh, it was Genk. It was Genk. Genk, yeah. Uh, And elect... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> very memorable. And uh, Silkeborg, I don't think I'm going to attempt to pronounce the second word just in case we have some Danish listeners. I don't want to offend them. Uh, you never know. Uh, I'd suggest somewhat less interesting than last year for West Ham. And then in the Champions League, uh, we've got a fabulous group, I thought. We've got the Europa League champions, Eintracht Frankfurt, Anglo-German clash for me. Sporting, which is a lovely place to go. George, you've been there, I know, to to watch some football. Yeah, uh, when they when yeah. they still had Bruno Fernandes, didn't you go? And Rafinha, yes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Marseille. So I think uh, two or three, even of Europe's finest stadia, all in Group D of the Champions League. Salzburg, which is a place where I've lived before. They go to Chelsea with Milan in the group as well. Chelsea in the San Siro. Celtic have Real Madrid, including uh, at home on the first match day next week already. City have another draw with the German team, Borussia Dortmund. PSG in there with Juventus. That'll be a tasty tie. And then, of course, perhaps the most fascinating group, Group C, Bayern, Barca, Inter, and Victoria Pilsen from Czech Republic. Barca again headed for the exit, maybe. Who knows? And of course, Liverpool with Ajax, Napoli and Rangers. That's also a fabulous group. All interesting trips and encounters. So that's it, I think. Is there anything else that we want to cover? George, do you want to give us one last update from Ellen Road before we sign off? I'm sorry to say that Pickford has pulled up an absolute worldie, which is very annoying. There's a surprise. <laughs> yeah, one-on-one with, with young Joe Gellhart, and he, I, I have no idea how he saved it. His heel, I think, and it's gone anywhere but over the line. But we are fortunate ourselves. Uh, Damari Gray just had a, what looked a perfectly legitimate goal chalked off or offside it must have been a fingernail offside so it's uh it's end to end it's very exciting if you want to switch over once we're wrapped up wish you luck for the end of that we'll speak again after you've been at brentford also we will speak after spurs have been at west ham and at home to fulham a couple of london derbies in the next few days and manchester united are going to leicester and then on sunday prime time of course they're still putting this game on prime time 20 years after it mattered manchester united against arsenal nick <laughs> brutal can you please do something about the gooners good start to the season well united are fast becoming the giant slayers of the premier league aren't they <laughs> <laughs> well yeah let's suffice to say uh we're looking for a favor from you there thank you very much gents uh good luck for the end george and we'll speak again next week thank you good evening cheers bye bye